0: A good day to everybody out there, and thank you for joining us. This is the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is April the 26th, 2023. My name is Frank, his name is Alex, and we are joined by the one, the only, David Matranga. Hello, sir.
1: Hey, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me come on, extending the invite out, even after how bad I stuck it up on the golf course and embarrassed you guys <laughs> the other day. So thank you for your graciousness. Yeah,
0: it's a miracle that anybody would even be friends with you after that, let alone invite you on a podcast. I
1: I mean, the fact that you guys got out unscathed and no one was, you know, bodily injured was a miracle.
0: (laughs) Um, I thought it'd be good to start today with some nice motivation. Motivation?
2: Okay.
3: So I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders. For us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist in our present and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates, not only to the past, but the future.
0: Just riveting, just absolutely breathtaking. (laughs) I saw an interesting little tidbit that I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, the James Bond franchise, the Spider-Man franchise, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe have combined for a seventy-five billion-dollar lifetime franchise revenue, and there is one brand that is fourteen billion dollars more valuable than those three combined. And I want you to guess what it is. And I'll give you a hint: it's from Japan.
1: So wait, you had James Bond. You got James
0: Bond, Spider-Man. And the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Wow. Combined revenue, lifetime, $75 billion. And this one brand is a combined lifetime re- uh, revenue of $89 billion. It's a Japanese from
1: brand. J- from Japan. Hmm. I'm stumped out. Oh, you got anything?
2: Not a Japanese brand. Uh, Pokemon? That's a great guess, but it's not right. Damn it. It's Hello Kitty.
1: Stop it. What? Swear to God. I mean, where to Bob? My cosplay days are kind of behind me, so I haven't been to Comic Con in a while. But I, I could see it. You know, a lot of people out there dressed
0: up like Hello Kitty. You know what I'm saying? It's wildly popular.
1: Interesting. Well, next time I'm in Japan, I'll have to uh, to check out the scene.
0: Don't they have stores out here
1: for Hello Kitty? Hello I, don't know. I feel
0: like they have like entire like Hello Kitty stores.
1: They probably do. I mean, I just feel like most storefronts aren't even you know storefronts these days. Commercial space is just dwindling down. It's all online, so you kind of have to look for it. No, I thought
0: that was wild though. Cause I mean, I feel like nothing is as big culturally in America right now than like Marvel
2: for sure. Yeah. And
0: I hear, I hear it all the time from, especially from, from Michael, like the absolute hoops that they jump through to try and get this thing going. I heard, I guess they're bringing back uh who is it? Greg Kinnear or somebody as Batman, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton. Thank no you. way. Yeah. They're bringing back Michael Keaton yeah. for, as Batman because <laughs> they're able to like jump through some universal, I don't know. <laughs> I don't watch these movies but I just, I just love it. The stretches that they're taking to bring everyone back and rehash it and make a ton more money.
1: I do love the way that they weave in all of the different storylines together though. I mean, that is pretty cool with the whole, you know, universe aspect to it. You're watching one movie, you have another character pop into it that overlays an additional movie that's going to be made down the road. Uh, That's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it is pretty, it's pretty neat. Well, I think your, your uh, appearance, David is timely on the show. Um, I saw a bunch, actually a bunch of different stories about, uh, if you guys don't know, David is your mortgage expert. i can plug you real quick. If you need anything done with your mortgage at all, you can call David and he'll hook you up real nice and fat. He's really good at what he does. But uh, I, yeah, I thought of you because you know you're coming on this week and I hear these stories. And I'm like, man, this is like teed up perfectly. There's one that's like pretty obvious and we'll get into that, but there's actually another one that I don't know if you heard of and involves squatters in Florida.
1: Squa Oh, interesting. That just are sounds you, are you like familiar. A ne- I'm not, but that sounds like a great Netflix series. Let's tee that up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, if it's anything like this story, I think Netflix should sign up immediately.
1: I could tell you guys, I mean, I had squatters here at one of my properties in Stockton, and that is not a pretty story.
0: Well, then I think you'll you'll definitely appreciate this.
3: Imagine putting a lot of effort and money into fixing up this house and putting it on the market. Beautifully rehabbed home that is move-in ready, says the listing for the three-bedroom home in Jacksonville, Florida. Then, great news, you get an offer. But all of Patty Peoples never expected what happened next. Patty Peoples says she went to check on the house and was surprised. To find a menacing dog on the porch with a litter of ten puppies. Even more shocking is what she says she found inside the house. Two women, squatters, were living there. I own the house. Over the weeks that followed, people says she and her business partner had several confrontations with the women, who claimed they had a right to be there because they no, had a lease. I'm not touching you. My tried, You are head touching head. me. No, I'm not. And this lady is. You so are blocking You are. Police were called to sort through the mess. Damn.
0: Yeah, so that's rough. She has this house. She had some renters living in it. The renters dipped out. It was sitting idle and she was getting ready to sell it. She comes back to Florida and she finds that the squatters had broken into the home. They take they took the deadbolt off of the door, replaced it with one that they only had a key to. Um and they told the lady that she was not allowed in her own house when she came to go and retrieve her property and they were in the legal right to do that. In under Florida law, this homeowner needs to prove that those folks are not legitimate, bona fide renters of that property before she can kick them out. And if she goes and does anything like puts her hands on them or you know, throws them out or whatever, she could go to jail for doing that to people who are squatting in her own home.
1: It's a really touchy subject, especially when you're talking about like tenant rights. Um, There's a show on Netflix that I really liked, which was outrageous. It's um, Worst Roommate Ever. And essentially, this guy Mm. was an attorney for property rights. And he knew that if he could do two activities, number one, evidence that he lived there so he would start having his mail sent to the home. And then Mm. number two um, was get his name in any sort of fashion just associated with the lease he didn't even have to be on the lease he just had to have a contract with whoever's name was on the lease that he's allowed to rent a room he went up and down the coast from new york boston even made it all the way down to florida just ruining people's lives essentially kicking them out of their own homes. I mean, one lady lost the property because he stopped paying her rent, couldn't get her out of the house, and she wasn't able to make her mortgage payment anymore. So she lost her down payment, lost all of her savings. I mean, it, it was Netflix worthy. Uh, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, dude, this shit's wild. Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. Uh, I, so I guess the law that allows for a squatter to go in and do this, it has nothing to do really with squatters rights, but it has everything to do with like, like tenant rights so that you can't unlawfully kick somebody out of a home that they claim to be lawfully renting. You don't have the ability to do that, regardless of not of your ownership status of the property. And so these women found that loophole. I, I probably have done this before and, and exploited it. And it gets a little bit worse because it looks like they kind of retaliated for the woman finding out
3: peered into the night and this is what she found when she got back in the house oh my god holes in the walls rooms All she says acts of vengeance for kicking out the squatters. Peoples puts the damage at almost thirty-eight thousand dollars. Leaving a house vacant in today's market, no matter where you live in the United States, is opening yourself up for squatters.
1: That's terrible. You've been
0: warned. I really feel. What happened in Stockton?
1: So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of the same story. I mean, it's really difficult to get people out of properties through the legal channels. Ultimately, there's a lot of bureaucracy um, and a lot of time lapse that goes by. So, for my instance, I bought a property up there. You know, It's a condo. I know it's going to flip it, renovate it, put it back on the market. So, I got a hard money loan. My carrying cost on that property just for the loan itself was about $1,200 a month. Now, the property was a probate sale, which means the previous owner had passed away and I had to buy it basically sight unseen. Well, I pulled comps in the area. We looked at how much the ARV would be after repairs, what are, you know, similar properties going for price point wise in that market within a mile radius. And I said, man, this is a killer deal. I can get it for 170 and I'll be able to put it back on the market for about, you know, 270, 285, 290. Um, and so I jumped on it. Well, unbeknownst to me, the woman who had passed away, her nephew was a local gang member for like a Stockton crew. And uh, we, after acquisitioning the property, go in to find out that he had moved the entire gang into the property. And so therefore I could not get guys to go in and do renovations. On top of that, like, I kid you not, they were stealing stuff from the community and hoarding it in the house. Like, when I actually was able to look inside the house and get a video um, walkthrough, it was ground to ceiling, just junk. Like, and when I say ground to ceiling, like, I mean ground to ceiling. Like, (laughs) after paying, it was about $3,000 to have a group come in and get, remove all of the junk. We found two stolen cars on the property that... We had no idea we we're there because there was so much junk built up around them. I mean, you guys would just not believe. So how do you get them out? It took me, um, I had to go and petition the courts, um, which for me <laughs> to get in front of a judge was about 30 days. Um, from the time that the judge gave me the approval to me being able to have the sheriff do anything about it was another two months. So, I mean, you're doing the math on this and this is just eating away at profit margin at this point. Um once the sheriffs and once it gets from the courts to the sheriffs there's another process that has to take place right like they have to give them a notice um they have to give them you know fair time to remove themselves when they didn't remove themselves, we then had to have the sheriff come in and escort everyone off property. Which I was told from because again, this is a condo. Um, the person who was like the on-site property manager um, created almost like a riot scene in, in the streets where like people were running topless through the through the neighborhood. Like they're chasing people down. Like it was quite a circus. What? Like
0: Jesus Christ, man! Just a just a hardworking American trying to get ahead.
1: And then here they come. Beyond that. Um, they kept coming back to the property and breaking in just like, you know, those that instance. So I, mm-hmm. I changed the locks. I got to the point where I had to turn it into like a zombie barricaded property. Like we, we got wood boards and we had to board up the windows. We had to board up the locks because somehow they kept getting back into the property and graffiting. And when I had guys working there, I had to stop construction uh, and renovations on three separate occasions because the car would roll up. Yeah, where's Cowboy at? I know Cowboy's up in here. He owed me some money. Where he at? <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, guys, I'm sorry. Hey, get out of there. Like, you know, I'll call the sheriff. So we ended up having to put restraining orders on like four of the known gang members um, in that area. So quite a learning experience. But, you know, tenant tenancy rights are a real bitch to get around, even when you're in the right.
0: Yeah, so in San Diego, I, it might've been California or San Diego. I think it's just San Diego. They just passed a law that if you evict a tenant, then you are also responsible for 2 months 2 weeks 2 months, months. of their rent
1: yeah you have to come 2 months yeah. of their rent yeah <laughs> just making it really as a as a renter, you have more rights than the homeowner does. Um, in California, but San Diego especially, it's, it's wild. So because of that, I know a lot of people that are investing out of state. Yeah, why
0: wouldn't you? I, I, I don't understand why you would invest in California. I don't know why you would open a business in California and try and make it like every, the, the cards are stacked against you at every step of the way. Every step of the way. So unfriendly. Like, for example, let's say you work really hard and you pay your bills on time and you pay all your credit card bills and you build up uh, a very nice credit score. And then you go to buy a home and you figure out that you're going to be paying more for your mortgage every month because you've done everything correctly in your life.
1: Yeah. You guys saw that news that that came out this last week out of DC? Yeah. I did not.
0: Oh, you didn't see this? So um, there's a new rule that will raise mortgage fees for borrowers with good credit to subsidize for the explicit purpose of subsidizing higher risk borrowers or borrowers with lower credit. So this rule will go into effect May, May 1st and home buyers with a credit score over 680, which I feel like 680 is a good credit score, but that's even like, I feel like that's even kind of in the middle. No, like that's,
1: yeah, that's, That's definitely like not top tier. So so you have 620, you have 680, 700, 720, and 740. 740 is what is considered top tier. So
0: yeah, so we're talking about just regular people who may have a ding or two on their credit or whatever. Score over 680 will pay $40 more each month on a $400,000 loan going up as the loan goes up. And those who make down payments of 20% on their homes will pay the highest fees. So you pay into it. You try and get as little of a, as low of a monthly payment as possible. And you you get penalized for it. You get penalized for it. I can't fucking like Like, honestly, nothing has made me more upset than this, than this. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's a law. I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah. What they call it is a, uh, it's LLPA. It's a lender level pricing adjustment. Okay. And basically, After the last market crash in 08, the U.S. government had to come in and and subsidize Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, right? I mean, they had to hold the housing market in place and do everything that they could to influx cash and make sure that those two entities didn't crash. So after that point, they've really used it as leverage to start demanding a lot of these um, guidelines uh, being put in place, where, for example, I mean, it's really what upsets me about it is it's really propagating uh, poor behavior. I mean, the individuals who now have bad credit and are getting a leg up in comparison to the individuals who have done everything right, you know, they've paid their bills on time. I mean, what what type of habits are are we trying to enforce in people? Like, hey, you're going to be rewarded for bad behavior and you're going to be penalized for good behavior? Where does that get us?
0: Um, I think they created a word for this back 100, 150 years ago.
1: Communism. That's
0: what it was called. Communism. Income oh. redistribution <laughs> from each according to their ability to each according to their need. Straight communism from the federal government. It's unbelievable, man. It, 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 like, you, like you said, it, it absolutely rewards shitty behavior in the, I guess, in the, the sense or, or the, the spirit of raising those who may not be able to get in. I'm not a fan of the whole credit score system to begin with. I think there's many flaws with it. Um, I've heard talk of them doing away with it altogether because it, it, you know, there, there are flaws. But it is the best benchmark we have right now to credit worthiness for individual borrower. And
2: you're saying, if you do bad, don't worry, those who are doing good We'll pick you up. So what's the best way to like, to approach like the market and buying in general right now, Dave, like I, rates are crazy as ever. Like, is it smart still to buy and just count on refinancing or like what, what what advice are you giving people right now? Cause I'm sure your field is just like a fucking minefield right now.
1: Yeah. So the, I mean, having a strategy and someone that understands all the intricacies of how everything is working is paramount right now. So it really, it, it comes down to who are you working with um, and how experienced are they? Cause for example, those lender level pricing adjustments, they're not only factored by as far as like what your credit score is, but the other axis is how much are you putting down? So before, if you had a 20% down payment, you were deemed less risky because you're walking into the property with more equity. Well, now they've kind of inverted that. And so you're getting a better interest rate if you put less down the minimum three to 5% in comparison to someone who's putting 20 to 50% down. Um, you know, you just, you got to figure out how to be creative and get around stuff like that. So for example, Mm -hmm. um, in that type of scenario, I'm telling my buyers, Hey, you know, at loan origination, we're going to put three to 5% down. We're going to lock in that lower interest rate. And then abruptly after closing, you guys are going to apply the remainder of your down payment, right? Let's say we we do a 5% down payment initially, and then we do a 15% down payment or a uh, payment applied directly to the principal of the loan after closing. What that's going to do is they're going to be able to take advantage of the lower interest rate, and then we're going to ask the loan servicer to recast the loan, which basically means they're going to now take that smaller loan balance and extend it and re-amortize it across the remaining 30-year term to lower the monthly payment. It's also going to get rid of the mortgage insurance. So they're, they, in that instance, they're really not taking any of the hits from these LLPAs by knowing how to creatively kind of get around them. Um, As far as is it a good time to buy, you know, a lot of that is area-specific. I have people who... In San Diego, 2020, 2021, could not get their offer accepted to save their life. I mean, they're going against 15 to 20 offers, having to come in $100,000 over asking. Um, So right now, the strategy is securing the property, even at a higher interest rate, which is almost an advantage in this case because you're you're going against lesser competition. You're not competing against a ton of other offers. You're not having to do things like waive your rights to having an appraisal completed, um, and you're. Securing the asset, which time and time again has proven, especially in my local market, San Diego, to appreciate. Um, We had a short decline, I would say, like this last 2022. Um, But San Diego, as of the information that was put out yesterday by a lot of the data sources, has already shown to have appreciated this year so far 1%. So our market has already made a turnaround. Mm. You're looking at property prices having gone up in San Diego 28% in 2021 decreased 5% in 2022 and have now rebounded again to be a plus 1% so far this year. I mean what does that tell you? We're still up on a if you're looking at even in that downturn they're they're up what over 20% in appreciation. So locking in the property now as an asset and then fixing the financing down the road is kind of the strategy that people are implementing. What's the
0: difference between recasting a loan and refinancing it? Or is that the same thing? So
1: when you refi, you're getting hit with closing costs. um, And and you're basically having to take whatever that day's rate is. So let's say we got you a 3% interest rate, you know, when we closed, something screwed up happened in the market rates today are at 4%. If you refi, you're now at that new higher rate, that 4%. A recast, you're not paying any extra closing cost. Hmm. You're basically just telling your loan servicer, hey, I came into some money, um, I paid my principal loan balance down. And rather than pay my mortgage off in you know earlier in 20 years rather than the 30 year term, I want to stay on that 30 year term. I just want you guys to adjust my monthly payment so that it's amortized where when I get to my 360th payment at the end of the 30 years, the entire loan balance is paid off.
0: There you go. I was not aware of that tool. That's really interesting. And I'm sure a lot of people are not aware of that either, especially if they're like in the market or thinking about buying their first home and they're scared because they're seeing interest rates go up and prices go up and they don't really know what to do. And they feel like they're priced out of the market. I'm sure a conversation with you or someone like you really kind of eases that because even now I'm thinking like, wow, that's, that's pretty good deal.
1: Yeah. You know, I know another big concern that I've, I'm hearing about a lot is, you know, Hey, where are we at in regards to a recession? And are a lot of people have the connotation in their head where we have that attachment with recession and housing crisis. Cause I mean, I know, you know, Frank, all of us, we were in high school at the time that that housing crisis happened and that's what prompted the recession last time. And you saw an influx of all of those properties hit the market drowned inventory, which is what caused the prices to. But recession and a housing crash are two very separate things. And in reality, if you look at housing as an asset class and you take a look at the last six uh, recessionary downturns, out of all of those recessionary downturns, housing has done very strong because it's a tangible, finite asset. Unlike the U.S. dollar, which, I mean, you know, is no longer backed by gold and it's basically – floating in value and people can't live in the U.S. dollar, you know, a house will be the last thing that people let go because it's their shelter. And as an asset, it being tangible, there only being a finite amount of it, it as an asset class has held up very well during recessionary periods. So I actually see a lot of savvy investors right now uh, liquidating funds out of other indices, out of um, other investments and buying housing with it because they yeah. know, like gold, it'll hold
4: stable.
0: Sure, yeah, and I, I, think, that's, I think that's one thing that gets lost when, when you're thinking about real estate is that it, it is simple supply and demand, right? Uh, as, you know, as long as it's gonna be, especially in California, as long as that number is going to be finite in, the, area, in the, you know, the major metropolitan areas and it's not gonna expand greatly, and Lord knows they make it as hard as they can here to build. It, you know, it makes sense that that asset holds value better throughout time, especially during, during, uh, rocky economic times.
1: That's looking at real estate as a, um, on the residential side, what we're seeing happen on the commercial side right now, that's a completely different cat. Have you guys heard uh, a lot about what's going on in like that commercial real estate space? No, not like
0: literally not at all.
1: No. Wow. So I really think that that is going to be the next pillar that collapses in the banking system. And I think that that is what is really going to, um, cause a lot of ripples throughout the economy. It's something that um, I, I it's not on a lot of people's radar, but it's definitely something that I think is going to come to the forefront of the news here moving forward. I mean, a bank, as far as their commercial space holdings, um, commercial is typically an A plus um, asset class for banking. So they, they typically hold about 40% of their portfolio in commercial real estate. And kind of as a cause and effect of COVID and everyone moving from being in the office all the time to now preferring to work remotely, there's been a steep decline in values and we're already seeing a lot of um, commercial commercial spaces due to the vacancies not be able to meet their obligations. So for example, like I pulled some data for you guys, um, it looks like there might be a bit of a commercial property collapse 12.9% of the commercial buildings in the United States are now vacant. Like, Damn. they cannot get tenants or renters in there.
0: That's wild.
1: Areas like San Francisco, that's a little bit steeper. It's the highest in the country, 29%. Office space prices right now, down 25%. And I mean, again, if the banks are holding 40% of their allocation in In commercial and we've already Mm. seen the collapse of SBV. Um, you know, we're seeing run on run uh bank runs. What's gonna happen when you know they're not having this income come into them any further? I mean, you're gonna see a lot more, I I feel like banks collapsing due to this kind of unspoken category in the news media right now.
2: Isn't it like somewhat of like an opportunity for people to invest into and maybe convert those spaces like into condos, into other shit to you know, buy low and sell them high, like later once this is kind of more figured out? Or does it just not make sense at all based on the landscape?
1: Well, here's the problem. Due to the landscape, unlike residential where your mortgage is fixed, right? 30 year fix is the most popular mortgage space. Uh Um, Commercial, you really don't have that option. If you're looking at conventional commercial loan, it's fixed for three, five or seven years, and then it becomes adjustable. And that adjustable mm. margin is based on the Fed's prime rate. Yeah, so right. with the Fed having hiked so dramatically this last year, interest rates in the commercial are even higher than on the residential.
2: If it's a commercial property, if that's what it's listed as, like that can be converted to, because I know you can go from like a residential to a commercial property. No, it's all it's all about zoning. So it can't be rezoned to like create condos like in a... Big ass office space that's empty. They, that that's not doable.
1: You could create condos, but you're still getting a commercial loan for it. Like as an so investor, it doesn't change. Wow. Yeah. So it, they make it very difficult. There's a lot of red tape that that's in the way, and the carrying cost on doing that conversion. I mean, you would have. I mean. You'd have to be Lenar Holmes, KB Holmes, some huge land developer to be able to encompass and carry those Uh, costs.
2: That is a huge problem. Holy shit.
1: I really think it's going to be kind of the last straw that broke the camel's back in the banking system, unfortunately.
0: Think about what we talked about uh, with with Silicon Valley Bank, right? Like they were a creature of low interest rates because their customers were creatures of low interest rates. Yeah. As soon as that free money dries up and these these companies have nowhere else to turn, right? They need to run on the bank, pull out their cash because now they're cashless. They're strapped for it. And I could see that happening with all these businesses that were created just because money was free and people were super willing to take risks and give out investment for whatever, whatever your dumb idea was that was cool for like five years. And then- (laughs) and now you're out of it and now you can't find somebody to to be a tenant in your commercial building and now you're left with a bill. Yeah, I mean, that makes total sense to me. I hadn't thought of it one time.
1: And their payments have adjusted on them dramatically because again, a lot of them are in this adjustment phase. So you're seeing what happened in the housing crisis of 08 kind of translate over to the commercial sector now. These companies who either own the buildings and, and a bank was holding the note or they're renting the spaces, they're like, hey, my payments have gone up so high, values have come down so much, I can't sell this thing and make back my money, and I'm not going to drown in this payment. Let it go. Let the mm-hmm. let the bank take over it. And now the bank is taking the, the hit. They're taking the loss. And so that's just another crack in the financial system.
0: That's so wild. Why are, and you may not have the answer for this, but why, why are those... Uh, loans variable after a certain amount of years?
1: I, I'm not sure why they have it structured that way. Um, it's just, it's been that way on the on the commercial side. It, there's, what I can speak to is that, especially after the 08 market crash, there have been so many rules and regulations put in place to protect homeowners, especially if it's a primary residence, right? It, it's very hard to foreclose on somebody these days. You don't have those same types of protections in the commercial space. I mean, look at it as if you had, a personal debit card, and you had a commercial business debit card. On the personal side, thanks to Dodd-Frank and all the other regulatory um, rules that have been put in place, I can file a claim and I get that money back from the bank, no problem as a consumer. On the business side, though, if I run that transaction through my business credit card and I file a claim, nine times out of 10, I'm not getting that money back because I'm not afforded those same types of protections as a business entity.
2: So we're going to see more and more companies do what like Bed Bath & Beyond and Bye Bye Baby announced this week. Like you're probably going to see way more big box commercial companies going out of business with this commercial real estate hiking and people saying, fuck this, like we could either just do all online model or like, why do we need all this space? Like there's more and more of that probably on the horizon. hundred percent. I actually came across a really
1: interesting stat. Um, I, I do a lot of day trading. So I'm trying to figure out which companies are going to tank that way. I can kind of short them. I mean, I'm I'm heartless. I know, <laughs> but apparently uh, shopping centers and storefronts since 2016 are down 44% in value. Again, because people's shopping behaviors have now translated online. And you got to think about it too. Like, if I'm now working remote from home and I'm not obligated to go into the office downtown anymore, what type of trickle down effect does that have on those local storefronts? I'm no longer eating at that grab and go uh, sub shop. I'm no longer, you know, getting my coffee from, you know, the local barista across the street. It, it, there's a ripple that bleeds into a lot of other businesses and according to UBS Group AG 50,000 retail stores will be forced to close their door in the, their doors in the next year alone how wild is that 50,000
0: bam yeah and they're already doing it. like not even companies that are like closing because they're going bankrupt, but I know there's like a couple, two or three WalMarts in Chicago that have said absolutely not. We're done. We're like done. Five,
2: See ya. Bro. five, yeah, five. five, gone. See ya. yeah. We're not. We're not dealing with that shit anymore. And Bed Bath and Beyond, that's 360 Bed Bath and Beyonds and 120 Bye Bye Babies. That's a lot Ooh. of locations across the country, man. It's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I
1: think uh, Bed Bath and Beyond—they just um, filed bankruptcy, did they not?
2: Yeah, they're just yeah. saying they're not even like trying to do any. They're done. They're closing all stores. All sales are final as of like. I think already official. I think it was on the 24th of April. Yeah. I saw the there was side. a
0: run on shopping there because people had their, <laughs> their coupons.
2: Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> 15, 25% off. Gotta use those,
1: man. That's how Kohl's gets me every time. I return something, Ooh. they're like, hey, well, you brought this back. We'll give you 25% on something else if you walk out of the store with it today. I'm like, got me again.
2: More companies are going to do what they did, man. Kohl's partnered with, I guess, Sephora. Now they're like the same and now oh, you can wow. do Amazon returns at Kohl's. It's like these companies are going to Have to start partnering with Amazon as the giant. Yeah, you have to, or you're gonna gonna die, man. And that's the Bed Bath and Beyond CEO came out and said, like, we miss the internet. That's what he said. Uh. (laughs) That's that's why we're closing. We miss the internet. It's like, damn. Do
1: do you guys know what um, what commercial space is thriving right now because of all this? Mm -hmm. Weed, sex shops. Ah, actually, those are really good guesses, man. That'd be my (laughs) winning too. Liquor stores and dispensaries all day. Tell me how to get into one of those. <laughs> uh it's actually warehouses and data centers. because oh everyone is kind of translating online, there's a need for a warehouse space to house you know all these servers or data centers to be able to lend out you know their business to companies that are now allocating online. So it, it seems like mm. that's where the next boom is.
0: You mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago about the dollar. We put up a, a clip yesterday. Um, that gained some traction on TikTok. There were a couple people, and some of them anonymous, some not. But but a few people took the time to chime in and say, "Hey, I, I don't I don't see this being an issue, right?" Because we were talking about all the companies leaving the U.S. dollar and what's going to back the U.S. dollar. And I very politely just asked, "Okay, so what is it that you see? Why are why are you why do you have confidence that that this isn't going to be a problem?" And nobody was able to give me a response. I haven't been able to get a response on that. What do you, wh- what are your thoughts? On, on where the dollar's going.
1: You know, I think if the US dollar loses its footing as the reserve currency for the globe, that'll be the biggest loss in American history. Um, that's how dramatic I, I think that is on so many different fronts. Um, number one, obviously, at the forefront is inflation. Uh, we would experience hyperinflation if that were to happen. I mean, we are we see the Fed right now trying to fight inflation, right? Because we have too many dollars, you know, chasing too few goods. Um, we've put out too much into the marketplace. Um, and so that's why we are now tightening a, a lot of, you know, are spending, we're tightening a lot of um, consumer habits on interest rates and things like that. But if the dollar no longer is the reserve, I mean, it's basically going to become that much more worthless than it already is today with where how inflated it is at the moment. And that's on an economic standpoint. On a geopolitical standpoint, If we can no longer use the dollar um, to drive in income from other countries doing business with each other or even able to levy it as a sanction, I mean, that's paramount. We can no longer tell Saudi Arabia or whomever, um, you know, hey, we, we seize these U.S. dollars or, you know, we're charging you X amount for these U.S. dollars being spent now. I mean, what other leverage do we really have at that point other than brute force? I mean, right? it, it really was keeping the peace around the globe and the way that we were using it to keep the peace around the globe.
0: Exactly. What's to stop a, a populist nationalist president to get elected in Germany, for example, and then think like, huh, we're no longer using the U.S. dollar as our reserve. Why are there so many military bases here?
1: And then begin to question that. And what happened with Russia as soon as they you know, decided we're going to fight this war in Ukraine? We were able to seize and freeze how much in U.S., held bank accounts from these oligarchs. I mean, that threat alone almost, you know, I felt like made Putin a little nervous. Hey, I got these Russian billionaires breathing down my back that, you know, they're, they're not happy about all their money getting frozen up in their U.S. bank accounts. When we no longer have leverage like that to put pressure on individuals what else is there other than brute military force?
0: It's unfortunate, but I think you're right. And I think that all signs just point to war because that's the only thing we have to throw our weight around. And it it's pretty heavy weight. You know, I, I don't think anybody, even to this day, for all the sh- shit that I see come out of the U.S. military, I don't think anybody takes us lightly from a from a military might standpoint. But it seems like that's where everything's pointing to. It it feels like everything's funneling to that because we've, first of all, we've lost the moral ground. We are no longer the world police because we can't even police ourselves. We have absolutely no moral footing in the world at all, literally at all. So you lose the moral ground. You have weakened your, your currency so much, most of it self-inflicted wounds. And let's be honest, the, the current leadership is absolutely inept. So there's, There's absolutely nothing that we can do other than say, hey, look at these nice big guns that we have. And I'm going to be honest with you, man, it scares the shit out of me because I'm not suiting up. (laughs) I'm not taking up arms. I have absolutely no problem with anybody else in the world. And I feel like that's just where everything's headed.
2: Well, it's fitting timing too. You have a strong message that came out yesterday. And straight from the mouth of the horse, Joe Biden himself, every generation has a moment where they have to stand up for democracy and to stand up for their fundamental freedoms. I believe this is ours. That's why I'm running for re-election. It's like, what are you? There's so many bigger problems, like so many things that were are actually going on that like you directly affect, and your poor leadership is just guiding us basically to a war. And and that that that's your campaign announcement. Like it just it's ridiculous, bro. It blows my yeah.
0: mind. And it's not. I, I feel like it's not even uh, for for as much as I you know I dislike the current leadership. It's it's. All, it's all leadership. It's the, the, yeah. the leadership that transcends whatever uh, party happens to be in the White House or whoever ha- happens to have a stronghold in Congress. It, to me, it's, it's throughout. The whole thing is just absolutely corrupted to its core. And it just seems to me... Somebody made a point the other day that the reason they thought that Tucker Carlson was outed was because they didn't like his message that was going against our involvement in war. And that message needed to be shored up so that when that time comes, we can push out the right message. That, it's just hearsay. Who knows if that's true or not,
2: but all signs point to it. Did you see his last video too? Like he's kind of one of his last monologues that a lot of people are saying was kind of the last straw. No. Uh Oh, let me, let me show
4: you here. I got it pulled up ready to go. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Sometimes you wonder just how filthy and dishonest our news media are. You'll be in the shower and you'll think they're bad, but how bad are they? Well, here's one measure of their badness. You can try this at home. Ask yourself, is any news organization you know of so corrupt that it's willing to hurt you on behalf of its biggest advertisers? Anyone who do that is obviously Pablo Escobar level corrupt and should not be trusted. What would that look like? That level of corruption. Well, imagine that the Trump administration had made it mandatory for American citizens to buy My Pillow. <laughs> That's one of Fox News' biggest advertisers. Imagine the administration declared that if you didn't rush out and buy at least one MyPillow, and then at least another booster pillow, you would not be allowed to eat out. You couldn't re-enter your own country. You couldn't have a paying job. My Pillow, they told you with a straight face, was the very linchpin of our country's public health system. Now imagine as they told you that, that Fox, as a news organization, endorsed it, amplified the government's message. Imagine if Fox News attacked anyone who refused to buy My Pillow as an ally of Russia, as an enemy of science. And then imagine that Fox kept up those libelous attacks, even as evidence mounted that My Pillow caused heart attacks, fertility problems, and death. If Fox News did that, what would you think of Fox News? Would you trust us? Of course you wouldn't. You would know that we were liars. Thank heaven, Fox News never did anything like that, but the other channels did. The other channels took hundreds of millions of dollars from big pharma companies, and then they shilled for their sketchy products on the air. And as they did that, they maligned anyone who was skeptical of those products. At the very least, this was a moral crime. It was disgusting, but it was universal. It happened across the American news media. They all did it. So at this point, the question isn't who in public life is corrupt, too many to count. The question is, who is telling the truth? As a result of that, you see Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he fired
2: off a tweet yesterday. I'll just kind of read it here for the listeners. It says, Fox fires Tucker Carlson five days after he crosses the red line by acknowledging that TV networks pushed a deadly and ineffective vaccine to please their pharma advertisers. Carlson's breathtakingly courageous April 19th monologue broke TV's two biggest rules. Tucker told the truth about how greedy pharma advertisers controlled TV news content, and he lambasted Abecuous? I don't even ab- sexual. I don't even know how to say that word. Newscasters for promoting jabs they knew to be lethal and worthless for many years. Tucker has had the nation's biggest audience, averaging three point five million, which is ten times the size of CNN. Fox just demonstrated the terrifying power of Big Pharma. Booster pillow. I love that. I know that yeah. the the, the, pillow. the metaphor is is pretty funny, but I'm not saying that's the sole reason. But damn, dude, like he he was taking he was calling some other out man and, and fox is as guilty of this as anyone i mean they just settled a huge that huge lawsuit for all this election fraud stuff so
1: 787 million dollars they had to pay off dominion from my understanding they had to take a look at a lot of um the fox newscasters and the media um kind of uh, faces their private text messages which mm-hmm. the reason why they settled before court was they're trying to protect, I, I think, a lot of these individuals, quote unquote, and from their personal beliefs and what they had said regarding election fraud and, and COVID vaccinations and stuff like that. So it's all very interesting timing.
0: It is interesting. A couple things interesting about that. One, uh, I'm not going to play it here because it's too long, but uh, there's a 20 minute video I found on Twitter. All, every single one of them to a person, Democrat, talking about Dominion voting machines and how they're uh, they're not right and that they're they're ripe for hacking and that they could be hacked and they have been hacked and we've hacked them and mm. every single one of them Democrat before the 2020 election. That's pretty interesting. And then two, I saw this, I think a lot of people took this when, when Tucker got, got ousted, as like a, like a bad move on Fox and this, that, and the other. I don't really know. Cause I, I don't watch cable news television, but I did see that on average Tucker got about three and a half million or so viewers. Per episode, Do you know what the highest rated news show is on television at about 7 million? That's
1: mm. yes, I do. Mm. You it's do the know? the
0: ABC Nightly News. Oh, okay. So more than, there's about double the, the amount of people that tune into Tucker Carlson tune into the ABC Nightly News. And I think they even get more on CBS and NBC, like three, like like four million, and then maybe six million on on CBS. That that help put into perspective because I feel like a lot of people claim that like he's like the biggest name in cable, this, that, and the other, and which is true, definitely with like the cable networks, your CNN, your Fox News, MSNBC, and all that. But still, I think he operated in a pretty. Tight vacuum, and he also said a lot of a lot of shit that was out there. But I did appreciate him for doing that because nobody else did. Nobody else pushed the envelope. Nobody else put it out there and said, "Hey, maybe I'm wrong, but listen to this." And I appreciate that about them, about him, because there's nobody else I don't uh, that I know of that talks about those kind of things. And a lot of that shit turns out to be real, right? Like yeah. the 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 best example of that is the Hunter Biden story. We've talked about that on this show countless times. I can't tell you how many times that we brought that up. And the reason we bring it up, because there's always new things coming out about it. I don't know if you guys heard this in the past week, but a, the former acting CIA director, Mike Morrell, uh, has said in a sworn testimony that now Secretary of State Anthony Blinken uh, was, a, at the time, a senior campaign official for Biden, reached out to him in an email suggesting they had asked him to organize the letter that 50 intelligence agency colleagues signed on claiming that the emails in Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. So we're talking the head of the CIA, the acting director of the CIA was asked by an official from the Biden administration to organize this letter that was actuated signed, put out to the public for everyone to see, used countless of times by Biden as an administration and parroted all over the news networks, everywhere. There's a video here, I won't play it. It's only 50, 50 seconds long, but it's all of your regular suspects talking about how this was all disinformation and then it came out to be true. Again, I don't know anybody else who's out there saying these things, taking the chances, hey, this might be wrong, but I'm following the facts, this is what I'm seeing, and then turns out to be 100 and 50% verifiably true.
1: It's interesting. Isn't Hunter Biden living in the White House right now? They've really like corralled around him and, and brought him in even closer lately. Like he's showing up in the background of all of the, the videos uh, that have been coming out with Biden talking. I have
0: heard that, I guess it's just hearsay, but I have heard that they think Biden might be maybe nearing the end. This is just, like I said, hearsay, but it's, it's coming from sources inside the White House that they're going on trips to Ireland to see the old country one more time and he's having more family around him because they feel like he's declining in a big and dramatic fashion. Um, Yeah. And I think that's,
1: I I mean, he just announced his run for 2024, right? And in my head, I'm thinking, there's no way he could run in 2024 more than half of the Democratic Party says that they do not support him and they do not wish that he were to run again. So is this like a last hurrah, I'm going to go out fighting, but we already know we have a plan to to loop someone else in last minute to, to run in his absence?
0: Yeah, I, I think this is just to, to, to keep up appearances as long as possible because hmm. it is really early. I mean, not that there was... I mean, no, there definitely was doubt that he was going to run. A lot of people were kind of tiptoeing around it. A lot of people were being asked about Kamala Harris. Nobody, you know, no, not even her own, her own administration wants her to be president because you can't do it. But yeah, I think it's just to keep up appearances.
2: Just, you know, everything's fine here. Nothing to see here. So let's say that happens and we lose our great president, Joseph Biden, who like, is JFK Jr. like the choice then for them? Like, is, I don't, I haven't seen anyone else really announced for the Democrats and I don't know, I can't think of a serious candidate that they would really have that would have a chance against like a potential Trump DeSantis ticket. It's kinda of like looking like that's what we're gearing towards.
1: I, know, I was gonna say, as scary as it seems, like I keep hearing Gavin Newsom's name thrown out there. Mm-hmm. I think oh, yeah. one of the worst governors of California in history. <laughs> and it's funny that they're already like rivaling up with the comparison between him and Ron DeSantis, right? It's always been like California versus Florida, like two opposite ends of the spectrum. And they are so polarized on opposite ends, like it seems like the fight that like, you know, America wants.
0: Yeah. I forget what he did a couple months ago and we brought it up here on the show and we're like, oh yeah, he's definitely running because if he wasn't, he would be doing something like complete." And he he had done something that was like not, it wasn't the most absolute progressive option he could have taken. And it was actually a little bit more like closer to the the center right. And I I can't remember what, what the story was, but... He's been making some moves like that. Like, I think he's bringing, I forget who he's, he's bringing in to help clean up San Francisco and get like needles off the street and things like that, which is like, you think, thinking like, finally, yes. But these are the moves that somebody makes when they're trying to be a little bit more centrist and not like completely on the left side. Yeah, I mean, there's too much going on with Biden right now. Like there's way too much going on to where even if he was in perfect health, where he runs and he makes it. Another story, like within the same week, uh, a, a whistleblower has come out from the IRS and has said that he is, he witnessed Merrick Garland, uh, who's the Attorney General of the United States, go on TV and tell bald faced lies. And as a senior official in the IRS, he said, I cannot stand idly by and watch this happen. So he hired a lawyer, got whistleblower protections because you cannot legally share any IRS information with the public and said, I need to come public with this information. Can Congress please get together a special committee so we can investigate this and I can bring this forward because I think the Attorney General is implicated in some cover-ups for the Hunter Biden laptop. So there's that going on. You have what's going on with the CIA director. You have all his payments from different industry, from different energy companies throughout the world. We just talked about how his ex-sister-in-law turned wife... was was getting payments from a Chinese energy company and she's a school teacher. So it's like, dude, there's just way too much. There's way too much going on. Mm -hmm. I don't think he runs at all. Like, I I don't (sighs) think, there's no way, there's no way, there's absolutely no way that he runs.
1: It'll be interesting to see like the maneuvering, right? Because we don't know that that's going to happen, but I just can't wait to sit back and watch how do they maneuver it to us? Because the devil's always in the details, right? Like, show me your hand. How are you guys going to do this?
0: And then, yeah. and then the day comes when it, it's a final, it's, it's, it's official that he's not running. And then you see everyone come out from the woodwork. Everyone. You're Gavin Newsom's. I hear Michelle Obama's name thrown out there all the time.
2: Could Bill run it back? We had you who do chime in on Facebook, get Billy Clinton back in there. Is that possible? Or once in each, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> um, no, he's done. He's, he's got can. his fair share of problems himself with uh, his friend, Mr. Epstein. So he's old. Probably won't work. He is old. He is old. He looks like a corpse. Dude, if it is Biden, though, how great would those debates be? Trump would rip him apart, dude. He would shred him in Um, the debate See, that that honestly
0: makes me sad to think of that. It honestly makes me sad to see this poor guy go up there with absolutely no faculties and just completely shit his pants. I just, I don't want to see that. I don't want to, like, nobody wants to see that.
1: I felt bad the first time when they did it. I'm like, geez, let yeah. this guy stay home, retire and eat his ice cream. Like, I why know. are you propping up this puppet like this? That's so demoralizing. Mm.
0: It is demoralizing. This whole fucking thing is demoralizing.
2: I got an interesting stat for you just randomly out of left Hit field. Me. Do you guys know that last year, more Americans spent money on legal cannabis than they did on chocolate? Mm, I saw that. I yep. saw that, yeah. On legal cannabis. Think about all the illegal sales going yeah, on that I can't absolutely. confirm or deny. You know, there's, there's plenty of those happening. But they, last year, there was $30 billion spent on legal cannabis compared to $20 billion in chocolate. That's great. Like, we consume chocolate. We're a fat country, man. Like, chocolate is a <laughs> presence in this country. But apparently weed is becoming more of one. I don't know what that says. I wonder what we spend on, uh, what do Americans spend
0: on
1: alcohol? Mm. Oh, those Gotta were be what forty to sixty percent during COVID too. I was like, man, mm. how do I get me a liquor store?
2: Yeah, <laughs>
1: consume enough of my own product.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm only seeing like a like an individual the average annual alcohol expenditure for the American citizen is four hundred eighty four dollars a year. I feel like that's really low.
2: That's really low. Well, Let's see, four eighty four times three hundred million. Where are these cheap bottles at? That's what I want to know. (laughs) 1.452 E11. I don't know what the iPhone calculator is telling me there. Turn it sideways. Oh, okay. 145 billion, 200 million. Compared to 30 billion? That's wow. for for marijuana. Damn. Damn. I (laughs) I wonder if that's stat, because that's 300 Americans. They're not counting kids, though, in those stats, are they? You think? (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> Average kids spending 500 a year. Well, I was just going to say,
1: talking about spending, did you guys know that this last year we had the highest spending on militaries ever? $2.2 trillion globally. The United Ooh. States was number one, obviously, always. China took up one third of our spending, and then the next 10 uh, countries um, couldn't equate to what we spent. So... A lot of money going towards military. And actually, I'll tell you what, man, I've seen it again in the stock market. I've been wondering Mm. why we haven't been declaring a recession when clearly, I mean, I feel it. You feel it. My dollar doesn't go as far. Everything's more expensive. I have less money. And I looked into it and it looks like the companies that have been holding GDP in place have been the defense, Raytheon, uh, General Atomics, Boeing. Um, So it's almost like A lot of our spending our quantitative um, easing has been going into defense it's been coming out of real estate it's been coming out of um your more uh publicly traded companies and into defense that's what's been holding our gdp in place for like the last year
2: that makes sense yeah it makes sense with the money that we're funneling to ukraine that's not great but i i did see something that came out this week with the u.s space force general b chance saltzman He he had some comments that kind of had people scratching their heads saying that uh, we will begin facing threats outside of Earth.
1: Dude, I'm so glad you brought this up. That's wild. Dude,
2: Dude, so what people are thinking he's talking about is there's like, or what he was referring to is like, I I guess, like new craft that uh, China has released that can like reach Mach 3 or something crazy and and move all about, and that we're going to have to start fighting in space. But a lot of people are also taking that as like, are you saying Aliens? Are we gonna to have to defend against aliens? It's it's kind of gray, and he didn't really clarify what he said. So, well, and it's so interesting. I don't know right?
1: because we we know that we don't have the highest tech technology in the aerospace industry because clearly there's UFO UAP sightings that we can't explain. The military U.S. government said that they are currently investigating six hundred different occurrences of these UFO UAP incidences Jesus. that we have no explanation for, and. Their maneuvers and their technology surpasses ours uh, to an unexplainable level. So we know we're not Mm. the top dog, you know, in this field. So I find that fascinating. And also another thing you guys ever noticed that a lot of the sightings revolve around like where a lot of the nukes are housed or military Mm, conflicts. oh Oh, yeah. I was thinking about it. I'm like, why would that happen? Are they scared we're going to blow them out from outer space? But we're not coming across any of them in space. We're not coming across any evidence. We're only finding evidence on Earth and around the oceans. So that made really piqued my curiosity. I'm like, well, what if they're not extraterrestrial? What if they're actually subterrestrial and they've been here all along living underneath our feet, under the oceans, under, you know, polar ice caps? And that causes me to go because, I mean, you watch them literally flying over the ocean and then they'll dive into the ocean and then we can't follow them anymore. Why are they diving into the ocean? Is there stuff like going on under the seas that we don't know about? And then beyond that. You know yes. how people always say like, all right, the one thing that would unify all of mankind, the entire Earth, we would stop holding up arms against each other and we would lock arms with each other if all of a sudden you know, we had this extraterrestrial force come into our space and all of a sudden our petty arguments cease because we're fighting for mankind. Does that still take place if it's not from outer space, but actually, you know, something else that's been here all along that technically mm-hmm. has as Much ownership rights to the earth that we do because it makes sense that they're flying over our nukes. They're like, Yo, this is our house, too. Don't screw it up for us, as well.
0: Is this the one true race that's hiding in Antarctica? With
2: yes, that I was gonna in- say it, I was gonna say <laughs> it, man. Uh, they could be the people, the creatures that put us here, man. You never, you, you have no idea, dude. It's right. I, there's a lot, I, I there's a lot to that, Dave. I, I don't think that's a crazy theory at all, man.
0: I'm much like, more likely to believe that than to believe uh, uh, interstellar travel,
2: but right. they had to get here, so. Somehow, probably, right? Or you think they were here long before us kind of a thing?
0: Maybe, may, maybe there is I've I've heard whispers from different corners of the internet about a lost race. Atlantis is real. What sure.
1: happened to the Mayans?
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Syphilis. <laughs>
1: um,
0: <laughs> um, no, I have heard, yeah, I've heard I've heard different things that like, you know, there are there are unexplainable things. There are floods that are, that occur in every single, not religion, but like, uh, a, like origin story, or story
2: of world. almost Thank everything. You. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yes, exactly. Floods happen in every single one of them. You know, there's things that we can't explain. And yeah, I mean, I like, and you know
2: how how deep some de- some of the depths of the ocean are. That's a good question though, Dave. Does that unify us? Would it?
1: I, I don't know. If it, I don't you know,
2: know.
1: All right. So, let me, let me put my thinking kind of um, superimposed on them. If I were a different race and I wanted to take over the earth or reclaim power, how would I do it? TikTok. Yeah, exactly, right? That's not a bad strategy at all. It seems to be working these days, uh, especially on our youth. I would make friends with one or two of the mega powers on there or instigate a fight amongst – between them and then polarize them, make them fight themselves, clear themselves out or – figure out a way to create an alliance with one that would cause the others to deteriorate, whether it be nutritionally, um, poison, you know, it basically weaken them to the point where I have an advantage and I can come in and just kind of cold the herd real easy. And it's just interesting. I mean, with what's taking place in today's day and time and lining up with that strategy and kind of focal point on things.
0: Yeah. I'm with David. I don't think it changes us at all. I think it, it amplifies what mm-hmm. we're doing already.
2: Yeah.
1: I
0: think that's, I think we're up on time. I got to get out of here at least. Don't let me ruin the party for you two. But dude, this has been fun, David. I appreciate you being here. Uh, crazy insightful information, especially on uh, mortgages and housing and all that. We would love to have you back uh, just as soon as you'd like to be here. Yeah,
1: definitely. Thank you guys again for the invite. Um, it was a pleasure being out here with you today. New experience. So, uh, Definitely cool. Love to be on here your again, first time? guys. First time on a podcast. First Pop time. The I mean, I done videos and stuff like that, but nothing of like uh, this category. So really cool. Love uh, shooting nice. shit with you guys and kicking around ideas.
0: Heck yeah, man! As first time guests go, you uh, set the bar pretty high
2: definitely the sexiest for sure <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want to find our stuff on any socials you can find us on twitter at friendship we're trying to grow that platform so please give us a follow and a share uh you can find us on tiktok and instagram at friendship news and you can always send us a lovely email to Media at gmail.com Media at gmail.com once again thank you david we'll see you guys next week adios